Hey everybody, this is Mikey D. Welcome to my stoop. A long time ago, hidden off in the northeast corner of a big city, there was a small American town called East Harlem. There were many faces, but no Facebook. Some twits, but no Twitter. We didn't have computers or cable TV, no VCRs, DVDs, DVRs, no iPhones or Xboxes. We had no 24-hour news cycle. One hour a day was more than enough. And you could count the number of friends on one hand, and that was plenty. And we didn't use a device when we wanted to socialize. We opened the front door and stepped out to our stoop. It all seems like an ancient time, like some lost city, like a myth. As if I had witnessed it all from the stoops of Atlantis. A lot of things were used in excess in the 70s. I was too young then to enjoy the forbidden fruits of that time. Yet, looking back, there was one great 70s excess I can recall taking part in. Freedom to be a kid, which peaked ironically at about 1976. Freedom in general went out of style the moment we designated the spot for the TV remote. It was the building of the Temple for the Holy of Holies. The new god was not TV or celebrity or money. It was a subtle deity that numbed the mind and stifled creativity. The god was safety. These are the subtle changes in society that you have to always be on the lookout for. Forget draconian laws or the vanishing of manners. At that point, it's already gone too far. The moment that we, as a society, felt there was too much risk walking from the sofa to the dial of the TV, we were doomed. But in those ancient days, there was plenty of time to explore freedom of kidhood. And for me... That usually entailed something that could potentially send me to the ER. Yeah, it was fun on those dangerous stoops of Atlantis. Zenith System 3. Now even better. Now there's Computer Space Command Remote Control. System 3. Even better. When I was a kid, I thought TV sets came with pliers. I'm not sure why, but our knob was always broken. You needed something to flip through the channels since the little metal nub was impossible to get a grip on. We had six channels back then. Six. When you look at the endless number of channels and streaming services we have today, that handful of televised offerings just seems impossible. We had two, four, five, seven, nine, eleven, and thirteen. Thirteen was where my buddies Mr. Rogers and Cookie Monster lived. Then there was that alternate universe called UHF. This bizarre alien transmission from some other world that only came as a wash of static and warped images. I guess there were dangers involved with getting up, walking across the room, picking up the pliers with a red rubber handle, and turning the channel selector. I mean, you know, wormholes have a nasty habit of opening up at the most inopportune moments, swallowing up pets, parents, pens, single socks. The universe is not always stranger than you can imagine, but it's a pretty freaking dangerous place. I guess that's why all the new TVs started coming with remotes. If science has it right... The universe began with an explosion of sorts. A clear message from square one that this thing called existence can be a dangerous trip. Keep your eyes open, but chill out and live with a certain amount of abandon. Who the hell knows? Maybe creation itself was an act of terror. So be it. Life includes dangers. I mean, just ask Starsky and Hutch. You ever see the way those guys drove down the streets? They knew overprotective shielding really protected no one. Well, on the other hand... We played with liquid mercury as kids. There, I confess, we did.
That was not only gloriously dangerous and immensely stupid, it was easy to get. Maybe they were more egalitarian back then. Hell, if mercury could be dumped in our oceans, lakes, and streams, and turn our fish into little swimming disease bombs, why not just stick the crap in kids' toys? We were pouring mercurochrome on open wounds. That's right, that fluorescent red liquid that stained your skin for your entire childhood contained merbromin, mercury. Slice open your arm on a rusty nail? Hey, let's put a neurotoxin on it. It's amazing we emerged alive. But we did. Was mercury dangerous? Yeah, but so was lighting eight-ounce bottle rockets horizontally on the sidewalk. Silver balls of rubbery metal? How dangerous could it be? It came in our toys. Who cared? The stuff was so cool-looking. I distinctly remember a plastic maze game. It was transparent and lined with fuzzy blue felt, and had a single bowl of mercury that sat inside to guide through the maze like some chrome carcinogenic mouse. Naturally, we had to break it open so we could roll the little ball of deadly metal around on our palms. There was something almost erotic about that shimmering, warbling sphere of liquid mirror riding the edges of your hand, the reflection of your ironically deformed face staring back. Liquid metal was entertaining us a decade before the Terminator did. Being the geek, I loved exploring the fun sides of science. I had my slice of the cosmos above my backyard to fill my astronomy needs. Insects crawled under dead branches to satisfy my entomology love. And then there were the rocks, minerals, and that yet-to-be-found dinosaur fossil under my yard to help me on my path to being an archaeologist. And I loved mixing stuff. Anything. It was that magical alchemical reaction I was seeking. I can only imagine if I'd been born 15 years earlier and hooked up with Tim Weary at Harvard. My ultimate dream wasn't some exotic rocket fuel, potent fertilizer for better crops, or some super short-lasting lysergic acid. What I really wanted to conjure up in my own private laboratory on the top step of my stoop was a soap bubble mix that would produce non-popping bubbles. I imagined blowing out endless streams of little crystal spheres, transparent Christmas ornaments, ones that you could hold between your fingers and juggle. This would be a very important cultural development. Soap bubble technology peaked with the Whamozillion bubble wand. It needed something new. I will reveal to you the secret ingredients, as I recall. There was a splash of dish soap, a few drops of invisible ink, which came in these little plastic squeeze bottles from Scotty's Candy Store on Pleasant Avenue, some powdered candy from a green pixie stick, and a few magic drops of red liquid from those wax candy bottles, also from Scotty's Candy Store. Once these were mixed in a little plastic cup, along with a few other ingredients long forgotten, I set the mix to set, but it had to be covered. I knew about evaporation and the dangers of ultraviolet light on such a volatile mix. I needed a special way to seal off the concoction from the elements, from the atmosphere and the sun. I scanned under the sink and then in the bathroom, then I spotted it. That would be perfect. It was a cap from a deodorant can. Perfect size and shape to keep my ultra-secret billion-dollar bubble mix in just the right laboratory conditions. But there was something curious about that particular brand of antiperspirant. Its cap was chrome-like, half-spherical. This was even better. It would reflect away the ultraviolet rays and prevent doomsday explosions. It was perfect. I set the little bowl of magic liquid on the table and covered it with a shining silver cover. Then I went outside to play with my friend Mimo. Flash, Duncan Yo-Yo! Flash, Duncan Butterfly Yo-Yo! A Duncan Imperial Yo-Yo, that's for me! He had a new Yo-Yo, the Duncan Butterfly. 
It was similar to the new one I got a few days earlier that lit up green as you rolled it up and down the string. It's weird, the mid-70s was the era of American culture when we controlled the yo-yos. It was a huge fad. 118 during summer months bread fads. Yo-yos, skateboards, tops, roller skates, blobs of dangerous liquid metals. As me and Mimo failed at a repeated attempts to walk the dog or do some yo-yo trick that looked so easy on the commercials, a crowd was gathering around my stoop. We strolled over and noticed it was a group of my sister Donna's friends. Donna stood at the top of the stoop, our hands behind her back and a huge smile on her face. What's going on? Mimo asked me. I shrugged. Then Donna made the announcement. Hey, everybody, look at this. It happened in slow motion. I saw the gang of kids turn to her, and as she brought her arms forward, something in her cupped hands caught the brilliant beams of sunlight. It was a sphere of the alchemical quicksilver of old, the largest blob anyone in East Harlem, maybe the world, had ever seen, the holy grail of mercury blobs. All eyes bugged and mouths dropped open. There was a rush, as if the tomb of King Tut was about to be opened. Legs clashed and arms pushed, a cacophony of oohs, ahs. They raced for a closer look, or perhaps a touch of the magical metal. But I knew better. My experiment! I screamed from the sidewalk. By the time I pushed through the gawking crowd, her friends had realized they had been duped. The trick had been revealed. Moans of disappointment bounded across 118th Street. She held up the fake mercury blob. It was the silver cap that moments earlier guarded my valuable potion. I jumped up and snatched it from her and raced up the steps. My experiment to create popless soap bubbles was not a success, although it did coagulate into a nice thick gunk. Whatever, I went on to many other secret formulas. Kids are curious by nature, although on occasion curiosity kills the cat, more often than not it makes for a better human. In these days of less personal responsibility and freedom, I fear we are losing our creative edge. I sadly lost it. But I have to confess, it was really stupid playing with liquid mercury. But it was fun in those days called the 70s on those Stoops of Atlantis. This has been the Stoops of Atlantis with Mikey D. Stay tuned for future tales and bizarreness from that ancient land called East Harlem. Check me out on Facebook. <laughs>